0: I want to give a little bit of clarification uh, from last week. Last week, um, I talked about praying, and I used kind of a humorous example of me clenching my teeth and my fists and kind of shaking and, and thinking thoughts and ask, you know, what did I just do? And I, I replied, and I'm like, oh, I asked you to do this, and oh, I asked you to do this. And I did that several times to drive home a point that oftentimes with the Lord, that's what we do. We we merely think thoughts as opposed to being intentional in our prayers. And then we get mad at God when, when there's no results, but the whole time, it was it was an unintentional act. And that's what I want to drive home, and I want to just make abundantly clear. I believe in silent prayers. Thank God for silent prayers because there are other nations and other regions and places where people don't have the freedoms we have. And if it wasn't for silent prayers, there would be no prayers. Because they're needed on this earth to further the kingdom of God, but they can't pray out loud. so I believe in silent prayers. Here's the key: intentionality. Be an intentional. I found myself this week going, "Oh my gosh Lord I, you know I really need you to come through you know for some things praying for some things at work." And he's like, "Awesome, ask me." I'm like, wow, that's I just got done preaching that last week. We're supposed to be intentional in us asking of the Lord. So church, let's be intentional. Silent prayers, out loud prayers, it doesn't matter. The core is relationship and being intentional. Amen? Amen. So I want to do just a a quick recap of one of the main points in last week's message, just because I really feel like it's powerful and it's important. And I feel like prayer, prayer is so vital prayer is vital to our life. Prayer is vital to our Christianity. But if we're honest with ourselves, prayer is tough. Why? Because it takes effort. Because it takes effort. Because we're a busy people. And we put so many things ahead of those quiet moments of just conversing with the Lord. And not just the Lord, with each other. I'm trying to make it a point to, when at all possible, pick up the phone and call somebody if I can't do it face-to-face. But why? What's our, what's our default? Text. You know, just a quick text. Why? Because it's convenient. We're busy people. But so many times I'm like, ah, I'll just make that call now. I'll just make that quick call. It's, it's so much more personal. But the Lord is the same way. God wants to answer our prayers. God wants to answer our prayers. He is the most righteous judge. He is the most loving Father. And because He's the most righteous judge, and because He's the most loving Father, we can be guaranteed of a couple things. He loves us. And we can be guaranteed of the fact that He wants us to answer our prayers, but He wants to answer the prayers that are in alignment with His heart and His will. See, Jesus, in teaching the Lord's Prayer, when when He taught it to the disciples, He wasn't teaching the Lord's Prayer. That's a name we gave it. He was just teaching them how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed, honored be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done. See, now Jesus... The Bible says that he didn't do anything except what he saw the Father doing. And he didn't do anything except what he heard the Father say. So when he says, your will be done, he he was piped in. Now he was piped in. He knew the Lord's will. Friends, the prayer still goes for us. We, in all of our prayers, regardless of what the prayer is, it needs to be your will be done. But we've got to press in and be in relationship with God so we know what his will is. If we are praying things outside of his will, they're not going to be heard and answered they're just not. When we spend time with the Lord, spend time with him and we know his will and then we pray those things that we already know are in alignment, we can be confident. we can be confident that he that he wants to do it that he wants to answer those prayers and a lot of times you know we just have to be patient in the answer because most of the time it's yes, no, we're not now Lord. You know, I'm praying for this loved one. It's your desire that they be saved. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We can pray that with full confidence. There's many things we can pray with full confidence, but we still have to trust Him for the answer. Lord, can what about this? Yes, you got it. Lord, what about this? No. Lord, what about this? Not yet. There's some things you'll see. Not yet. God loves us and wants to give us good things. And we've got to believe that. And we need to adjust our prayers that our prayers are prayed with confidence and faith and boldness and humility because we believe that he wants to answer our prayers. But we can also take this to the bank. God will not give us everything we ask for because he is the most righteous of judge and he is the most loving of fathers. And there's a, a phrase given to a... A child who gets everything that they ask for, right? A couple, couple phrases. Spoiled brat comes to mind, and God does not want a church full of spoiled brats. If if, if I give my kids everything they asked for, that would make me a very, 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 very flawed father. But God wants. That relationship. He wants that, that communion, that interaction, and He wants to answer our prayers. The key for us, guys, is pressing in and finding His will. And that comes through relationship. We don't have to toil over it. We don't have to stress over it. We just got to be in relationship with Him and talk and listen and interact. You know, I talked about last week, the beauty of at times just being with the Lord going, Lord, what's on your mind? Lord, what do you think about Impact Rock? It, it, to me, that's the equivalent of going Lord, Tell me about your day. How was your day? And God's so awesome. He's always like, oh, that's good. Tell me about your day, buddy. Tell me about your day, son. Well, Lord, since you asked. And he does ask. He interacts with us. James four two tells us that we have not because we ask not. So let's ask away. But when we do, let's do these things. Number one, we've got to start talking to God. Let's make prayer less rigid and less formal, and let's just start talking to God. I keep my my Bluetooth, my hands-free wireless thing on the right, in my right ear when I drive. So everyone to the left of me doesn't see that. Right? So, I don't think they think I'm crazy. I think they assume that I have a Bluetooth, you know, or that I'm crazy. Either one. But I'm okay with, with whatever. So let's talk to the Lord when we're driving, when we're walking, when we're, whatever we're doing. Start talking to God. And then number two, start asking. But let's not just ask for ourselves. Let's ask for the ones we love. Let's ask for our friends, our families. Let's ask for the church. Let's ask. Lord, what do you want? Lord, what is your will? Lord, how does this fit into your plan? Let's not just ask for ourselves, but let's ask for others. And when asking, let's do a quick gut check being sensitive to the Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth to make sure that what we're asking is in alignment with His will. If someone needs a job and they come to me they're like, hey, I'm interviewing for this job. What I pray is, Lord, I thank you that you've got a job for for this sister. And Lord, I come to you right now, and if it's this job, if this is your will, Lord, then we claim it in the name of Jesus. We call it forth. We thank you that your favor goes before her. But, Lord, if it's not this, we know it's somewhere. And we call that job forth. Lord, in in agreement with you, Lord, I know that that you are faithful to provide a job. I'm praying, you know, Lord, if this job is your will, because I know he's got a job, it just might not be that one. But, But the sensitivity to press in and make sure that we're praying his will. I'm going to get to a verse a little bit later on when I actually start preaching. This is just the this is just the preamble. I'm just getting warmed up. Um, but there, there's a there's a fact that's going to make everyone uncomfortable. A non-believer, a non-believer's prayers, the prayers of a non-believer. See, I said it three ways. There we go. The prayers of a non-believer are not hurt by God unless those prayers are in alignment with His will. But the prayers of a believer are also not answered if they're not prayed in alignment with His will. I could tell my wife got so uncomfortable when I said that. She's like, oh no, oh it's true. The difference is, we as believers, when, if you've trusted your life in Jesus Christ, there's no excuse for us being lazy. There's no excuse for us not tapping in and knowing His will. There's no excuse. Because it's not about, re- about religion, it's about relationship. It's about being in communion with Him. Now the world, they just think whatever we ask we should get, and so when they don't get it, they get angry at God. That's why we have to come in and say, no, it doesn't work that way. My prayers don't get answered if they're not in alignment with His Word. Now, I'll throw this little caveat in there. God's mercy. God's grace. There's times we get things that, that we don't deserve, but I promise you we get them because it still works into His will. We look at times in the Word of unbelievers praying for things and God blessing it, and then we see how it worked into His will, how God used it for His will. So I'm not saying that that the prayers of an unbeliever aren't heard but it's, it's a whole lot more narrow because it's it's just a, throwing darts because they don't know His will. Guys, we, we don't have that excuse. We should know His will. We should be in relationship with Him. Lord, if what I'm praying doesn't perfectly align with You, then adjust my heart, Lord. God, adjust my thinking. Lord, if this doesn't align with Your will, that I yield it to you. But, but not just that, Lord. Change my thinking. Change my heart. Because I want to pray in accordance with your will. How powerful is that? How powerful is that little submitted prayer? The fourth thing when praying. Make sure we are asking God for the right things. Ask God if and how these things work into his will how they fit into His will, so that His kingdom is strengthened and advanced. Guys, we better keep this in mind. God cares about His kingdom. Jesus preached on the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. Friends, we better start thinking, how is my prayer, my desire, my pleasures, how do these fit into God's kingdom being advanced? Because I think we care, I think we think God cares about every little frivolous thing that matters to us, and he don't. He doesn't. If it's not in alignment with his words, you know, I tolerate a lot of stuff for my kids. And I'm very flawed. I'm a very flawed man. I, I think I'm a good dad. I've been told I'm a good dad by my awesome wife. When we pray, God wants to give us good things, but those good things are meant to be used to further and advance His kingdom. Because He's coming back, and He's coming back for a bride, and we are part of that. God only wants you to have a nice ski boat if that ski boat in some way advances the kingdom of God while bringing you pleasure. And I say that because I've been on a ski boat where the kingdom of God has been advanced. When we were planting the church, we went to Jeremy and Latanya Paddock and we're like, hey, we want to get together. They're like, let's go, let's go wakeboarding. I'm like, let's go wakeboarding. So we went on, out on this reservoir and went wakeboarding and we parked and I said, hey, here's why we wanted you to be here. We're, we've been called to plant a church and we believe you're called to plant it with us and we want you to pray about About planting this church with us. And they're like, we ain't praying, we're doing, we're doing, we're planting this church with you. That boat was used to advance the kingdom of God. Okay? I'm asking the Lord for a boat that's used. Number five, ask for specifics, ask big, but be humble in His answer. Ask for the ridiculous. Because he wants to give. There's there's some things that are ridiculously big that he wants to give and he wants to receive all the glory. He doesn't want anything else receiving the glory. So ask big and ask for specifics. Lord, I specifically ask you for this job. Ask for specifics. But be humble in his answer. Be humble in his answer. Son, I know you want this job. But you'll see why I need you here. He's going to further my kingdom in ways you can't imagine. I need you here. I'm going to meet all your needs. I'm going to provide for all your needs. I promise you that. Trust me. How confident are we in our alignment to God's heart? How confident are we in our alignment to God's heart, to God's will, to God's ways? Because that confidence in our alignment to Him will dictate how boldly and confidently we come before the throne just bold. Just boldness. Because I know my heart's aligned with His. And I know I can be bold with Him because he's, he's my Daddy and He loves me. Man, hear this woman talk about her Daddy and how her Daddy loves to give her amazing things because He loves her. It's, it's been like ten minutes and just have her talk about her Daddy. It's amazing. It's awesome. But see, she can come boldly and confidently because she knows that her heart is aligned with His will. Friends, we need to be confident but we know that our heart is aligned and that's a daily yielding. It's a daily submissiveness. I'm not talking about a confident arrogance in our own ability. I'm not. And I'm a pretty confident guy. I've been labeled arrogant and rightly so plenty of times in my life. I'm not talking about a confidence in our own ability. I'm talking about a boldness and a confidence in God. Confident that our heart and our actions and our prayers reflect His wisdom. Reflect His character. Reflect obedience to Him. If you weren't here this last week, I'd love for you to go on our website and listen to the message from last week it was all about desiring his will above ours guys as a believer that's non-negotiable we've got to desire his will above ours 1 John 3 19-22 says this our actions will show that we belong to the truth who is the truth Jesus Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings. God is greater than our emotions. God is greater. And He knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. And we will receive from Him whatever we ask. Because we obey Him And do the things that please Him. Because we obey Him and do the things that please Him. Too many sloppy sermons have been preached about whatever you ask from God, you're going to get. That's, I almost said crap. I'm not going to say crap. That's garbage. That's garbage. You're going to get whatever you ask God. That's ridiculous. If our lives are yielded and submitted to Him and we're asking... You know, out, of, out of an obedient life to Him because we obey Him and we do the things that please Him. I've, I've heard of people that have prayed, Lord, kill that guy. I've, I'm not saying I've done it or not done it. How ridiculous would it be and how unfaithful would God be if He answered that type of a prayer? How about this? Lord, heal my heart because I've got so much anger in my heart. I can't get past anything except the fact that this guy hurt me. Lord, heal my heart. How about that? Is that in alignment with his will? Not killing that poor guy. I'm so glad Brian, you know, (laughs) I'm just kidding, Brian. I never prayed that about you. Things to do when asking of God, be bold and confident in your asking. After all, you belong to the truth. You belong to Jesus Christ. No shame, no guilt. It's not yours. Jesus took it on the cross and it didn't go anywhere with him. He took our guilt, he took our shame, so we can be confident and bold. No sin, no shame, no guilt. It was left on the cross. we have the Spirit of God living in us. Back to verse 22. And we will receive from Him whatever we ask because we obey Him and do the things that please Him. And this is His commandment. This is what we must do. This is what we must obey in order to have bold confidence and in order to receive from God. This is His commandment. We must believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. And love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. What's in a name? What's in a name? In the Bible, a person's name stood for his character, stood for her character. The name represented who he or she really was. Our good name represents our character, our integrity, our honor. That we do the noble things that we say we will do. That's what's in our name. And, friends, whose name do we bear? We bear the name of Jesus Christ. We're called Christians. We're called Little Christs. We bear the name of Christ, the Anointed One. What's in a name? Think about the Wild West. You be smirching my name, fella? Draw! Or 1600s in England. How dare you! This is my English accent. I'm coming with my English accent right now. You have soiled my reputation! Because they all wore white gloves, right? We've seen the movies or maybe french is your thing ha huh? touche men have always been willing to fight for their good name men have always been willing to fight for their honor but the most honorable of men was willing to die for his good name was willing to die to show that everything his father Set. every prophecy that came forth was completed and fulfilled in Him. Jesus was willing to die for His good name. And His good name was preserved. Why? Because He didn't stay dead. Because He rose from that grave once again fulfilling all prophecies. We are to believe not only in Jesus' words, but in His character. In the person of Jesus Christ. We must believe Him as the Son of God. To believe in the name of Jesus means to pattern our lives after Christ, to become more like Him by uniting ourselves with Him. That's what it means to believe in the name of Jesus Christ. And if we're living like Christ, I promise you, we will do this. We will love one another. It was listed in that section there. We will love one another. You guys, our belief in Jesus has to be demonstrated, our belief in Jesus has to be verified by our lifestyle proven by our lifestyle. It has to be. If we pattern our life after Jesus Christ, then we walk it out. The abiding relationship and fellowship that we have with the living God as He lives in us is supposed to be demonstrated. It must be demonstrated. Otherwise, how real is it? How real is it if it's not acted out? Not very. That's what James has been preaching consistently in this letter to the church. You've got you to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. Faith without obedience is dead. Faith without works is dead. It's got to be demonstrated. It can't just be words. Believers must demonstrate and obey these three essential commands. Believe in Jesus Christ, love one another, The brothers and sisters of God, that's who the one another was in context. He was talking about believers love one another and then remain in fellowship with Him by living the godly lives that He has commanded us to, that will result in us reaching a hurting world with His love because that's His heart. These must be obeyed, these must be demonstrated. That verse 24. And we know He lives in us because the Spirit He gave us lives in us. You guys, the Spirit of God's not just ethereal. It's very practical. He lives in us. Aside from the fact that God says it and His Word says it and we have faith, how do we know He lives in us? How do we know He lives in you? Because our ba- behavior, our actions verify his presence in our life. Tell me if anyone's, uh, this has ever happened to you. You walked into a room and you started talking with someone, and immediately you knew that person was a believer. Immediately. You weren't talking about Jesus. As a matter of fact, words might not have been said. Immediately, you knew they were a believer, that Jesus lived in them. How much, raise your hand if that's ever happened to you. Happens all the stinking time. I'll just ask. Are you a believer? Are you a believer in Jesus? Absolutely, I'm a believer. I knew it. Oh, I knew you were a believer. Thank God. That's good. That's awesome. Our behavior also verifies that we believe in and pattern our lives after Him. Does that make sense? Our behavior verifies Jesus in us, the Spirit of God in us, the character, the person of Jesus Christ. So let's pray and let's live our lives constantly providing proof that His Spirit lives in us. Verification that God is good and that Jesus lives and that He lives right here. Let's get back to James 4 and James's challenging letter to the church. James 4, 4 and 5. You adulteresses! Pause. Just to let you know, in my preaching schedule, guess what day I was scheduled to preach James 4, 4, and 5? Anyone know? Anyone take a guess? Mother's Day! I was so relieved when God's like, no, that's not what I have. What a crummy... You adulteresses! Happy Mother's Day! Hey! Oh my gosh, that would have stunk! I would have done it and not feel bad about it. Maybe a little bad, but... Luckily God's, you know... You adulteresses. In the Old Testament, adulterers... And adulteresses were a metaphor used to those who break their vow to love and serve God. When adulterers and adulteresses were used, it was, it was a metaphor for people who have broken that vow to serve God. Who have broken that vow to love God and who follow idols instead. So as we, let's read this with that in mind. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. Friends, it's far too easy to break our vows to serve and love God because there's so many distractions in this world. It's far too easy. I know I say it just about every week. Who did James write this letter to? The church. Just as I'm preaching this message to the church and to myself, it's too easy to break that vow to become unfaithful by setting our eyes on pleasures and things that are of this world instead of God. An ungodly affair with worldliness always results and separation from God. And it's not on God's end. That separation is not of God's doing. It's of our end. Adam and Eve sinned. They disobeyed God. They ran and hid. The prodigal son, the story that Jesus told, he felt shame. He took his inheritance and left, thought the other side had something better to offer than, than his father's home. He left and in shame and said, maybe I can come back and just be a servant. Daddy didn't go nowhere. The father didn't go nowhere. As a matter of fact, in the story of the prodigal son, we know he was on the porch looking, looking for his son, saw his son in the distance and started putting together celebration plans. Here's the great news. When, when we're unfaithful, any adulteress, any adulterer, the Father's always quick and loving and gracious to receive the in. if we humbly obey him and submit to his ways and go, your ways are better than my ways. But he always receives the adulterer back. Thank God, amen. There's nothing wrong with wanting a pleasurable life. Hear me. There's nothing wrong with wanting Pleasures. Bible is full of words telling us that God has good gifts for us that he wants for us to enjoy. But having friendship with this world most often involves seeking pleasures at the expense of obeying God. Did you hear me? Most often seeking the pleasures of this world the price that's paid is that separation with God because it's at the expense of pursuing God. When I'm talking about the world, I want to make something abundantly clear. I'm not talking about people. Okay? I'm talking about the world's way of thinking, the world's way of doing, the world's system, its values, its mindsets, its philosophies of life, its priorities. And they all run contrary to God, all of them. They all run contrary to Him. So when I'm talking about the world, and I'll keep using that phrase the world, the world, the world, it's not people. It's not saying, Don't be friends with people who don't know Jesus. It's saying don't buy don't buy into that lifestyle. Don't buy in to those priorities. Don't make those priorities your priorities. Don't let your mind be consumed by that mindset. Does that make sense? The world consistently suggests that our success requires us turning away from a path of righteousness. To neglect developing our relationship with God. That might not be the outward message, but you know what? In this day and age, more often it is flat out the outward message. And we're mocked and ridiculed and called fools for the things that we buy into that are of God's that are contrary to this world. So I'll give you an example. It makes no sense at all from the world's perspective that when this woman and I were courting and had fallen in love that we didn't get involved physically until our, our wedding night. That makes no sense to the world. Why? Because there's pleasure waiting for you. Seize it! Grab that pleasure! No, we waited to our wedding night. Why? Because his ways are better than our ways. We have a metal lunchbox over there where we worship the Lord with our tithes and our offerings. The tithe is a tenth. So we give the Lord our tithes, or a lot of people utilize the website. That makes no sense. You're telling me ten percent of what you make, you give to God? You're a fool. That's what the world that's what they view us as. I could go on and on and on. Why? Because Our priorities are not the same as the world's. Our mindset as believers, God's mindset is not the same that the world throws at us. There are good pleasures and bad pleasures and the world does not agree with that. For the most part, the world agrees. It's a pleasure. You deserve it. Seize it. Walk in it. Enjoy it. We'll we'll find a label for it. We'll justify it. There's very few things that the world has frowned upon. That, that that it'll actually say, no, no, that pleasure you can't. Very few. Most of them is like, no, you go ahead. I don't care how debaucherous and sick it is, how selfish and go ahead and do it. You you've you've earned it. You deserve it. That's bull. Pleasures from God's rich, abundant mercy are good. But pleasure that keeps us from pleasing God is not just bad. It is what? Sin. Pleasures that keep us from serving our awesome God are sins. I'm getting fired up, baby! This world, we've bought into the lies. We've bought into the garbage. You deserve that boat. So don't pay your tithes. God's understand. Don't, don't return it unto Him. You're busy. You work hard all week long. You don't have to go to church. Once a month's good enough. More than good enough. You're better than the average person. You're a fool for going every week. That's stupid. You work hard Monday through Friday. Come on. Go indulge. Am I wrong? I mean, am I just... Am I wrong? Is this not what the world throws at us left and right? Am I making this stuff up? This is the world we live in and this is what God has said. If you choose this over me, this is hostility against me. I took a deep breath. We're all good now. Knowing I was going to be preaching this, I, I cast a little cast out there. I wanted to see what kind of nibbles I got. On Facebook, uh, on the 15th, May 15th, I posted a question on Facebook. Knowing that I was going to be preaching on, on friendship with God and friendship with this world, I posted a question on Facebook. Here was my question. If someone wants to be a friend, that, that's my Facebook. And, and if you could read really good, and some of you can, that top one has the question there. And here's what I posted. If someone wants to be a friend, what do they need to do to be considered your friend? I knew this based on James 4.4. 4. Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So I posted this question. Val was the first to respond. She says, it depends on the level of friendship, smiley face. <laughs> so my response was, more than an acquaintance, but less than a bestie. Okay. I should have said, Val more than an acquaintance yeah so that was my response Um, I don't know that I did a smiley face though it doesn't look like I did but here's your smiley face Christine was next to respond and she said "Accept, accept me for what I am and love me for what I am just as I will do the same that was beautiful and then she said, "And don't lie." Chris, Christine, can I ask you, can I ask you a question right now? And I'll ask all of us. And and don't you don't have to answer. Does this world accept you and love you for exactly as you are, for what you do? Or does this world constant and its system constantly throw in your face that you don't measure up? Is this world, you said, don't lie. Is this world is truthful to you? What do they lie to you all the time? Pastor Adrian Triano in Arizona said, be trustworthy, make room to spend time together. Everyone's business of so trust. That was key. Then Rich Stevens later said, can I trust them?" That was key. And then another guy named Michael said, truthful. Rich and friends. Can we trust this world system? Are they truthful? Heck, I can't even believe the news. Thanks to the beauty of, of, of Photoshop, I can't believe a picture because of the beauty industry and what they've taught us is beautiful. Have you seen the pictures of a good-looking girl that's going to go into a magazine and the ways that she's not good enough and they slim her down even more and they narrow her face and her neck and they elongate her neck and they increase the bosoms and they do everything and they give her a tan and her eyes aren't blue enough and she's not good enough. Can we trust this world? Do they listen to us? Do they know us? Are they truthful? Heck no. Ashley Nuts had a great picture of Dr. Seuss. You can go to my Facebook to read it. It was cute. Pam Beeler said, Listen, Pam, when you've had a tough day, or better yet, when you've had a phenomenal day, and God's faithfulness has been on display from wake until sleep, and you want to tell the world how good God is, do they listen to you? Do they care how good God is? Now, if you want to... When you're, yeah, by the time you're done... Now, if you want to vent and if you want to say how rough things is and how horrible someone is and what a dirtbag someone is, they'll listen to every word of it. But you want to talk about God's goodness. I have another friend named Jeff that said, unwavering integrity, ability to maintain trust, And The ability to laugh at anything that I think is funny. I thought that was cute. Yeah. Once again, trust and integrity are, according to Jeff, who's a good guy, trust and integrity are a requirement of friendship. We've heard it. Trust and listening and love and caring. They're requirements of what we require for friendships with one another the world provides us with none of this. Logan Gerhardt. What's up, Logan? He said, I have a soft spot for green chili, just saying. And that's why we're friends, brother. And that's why we're friends. But once again, the world didn't provide that for you. A Christian did. Someone who follows Jesus <laughs> makes that green chili who I got from Dina. Another believer gave me her recipe. See? It's all about God, man. Another friend said, do unto others. Pastor Adrian Boykin of Calvary Church said at least one like on Facebook to which I liked his reply. And then Chris Glenn concluded my post with, you know your friends and they know you. Together, together, you both know your friends. I don't know any other way how to express it. Chris, my wise young friend, I couldn't have expressed that any better myself. And I couldn't have scripted your response any better. Church, this world is not our friend and we know it. And we know it. There's no characteristic that we're looking for in a friend that this world system gives us. We know they're not a friend. We know they're only going to betray and, and attack and demean and, and mock us. So why do we try so hard to be friends with this world? And once again, I'm not talking about people. If you know me well, you know I've got a lot of friends who don't know Jesus. And I'm hoping it's a temporary state. Why do we try so hard, young people, To look like what the world says we should look like and sound like what the world says we should sound like and do all these things. Why? They don't have the traits we look for and we require from friendship with one another. It's not trustworthy. This world doesn't care about us. This world doesn't love us. It doesn't accept us. It doesn't share our values. It doesn't share our priorities. It doesn't share our philosophies. And above all, golly gee, above all, above all, it despises our Lord God. It despises our Lord and Savior. It despises the one whose name we bear, whose name and character and integrity and promise that we have believed and that we bear by saying, I'm a Christian. The world despises Him. It despises our Father. The one we look to, to demonstrate perfection of love and perfection of grace. And it was demonstrated by the sending of His Son, Jesus, who was obedient to the Father. This world despises Him. Matthew 10.22 says, You will be hated by all because of my name but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. Why does the world hate Jesus? Because of his good name? Because of his character? Because of his integrity? You know, a lot of circles will tolerate you talking about God, as long as you don't use the J-words. But the minute you break out the name of Jesus, you are despised. And the tolerance ends. The church is accused of being intolerant. And you know what? There's times that's true. There's times where the shoe fits, we need to wear it. And we need to change that, guys. We need to change that and be more about grace. But the minute I start talking about Jesus with someone who hates him, boy, talk about intolerance. How can I be a friend with one who despises the one I love? I promise you, I don't love any of you in this room enough for you and I to remain friends if you despise my wife. I will cut you off and sleep like a baby. There's times we've got to feel comfortable about not and this is coming from a guy who who has many friends. I love, I'm a gatherer. There's times we got to be comfortable with not being friends with people and definitely not being friends with the world. Before my wedding, I just made it known. I'm like, anybody, you know, dishonors my pride and my good name by doing something stupid at my bachelor party, I'm knocking you out. I'm knocking you out don't even think about doing. And sometimes people for bachelor parties, they think it's funny to do stuff that's stupid and rude and crass. And I just let it be known, I will knock you out. There's times we've got to be comfortable not being liked by everybody. And there's times that we've got to be comfortable not being friends with everybody. And I'm telling you guys, I am a friend-centric person. You know that about. But how can I be friends with the one who despises the one I love and talks bad about the one I love, and I'm not talking about this woman, I'm talking about this man. How can I be friends with someone who will use such hatred in their terms? And I'm talking about the world and not a person. Mark 13.13 says, You will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures till the end will be saved. John 15.18-21 If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you were not of the world, but I chose you out of the world because of this world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things, they will do to you for my name's sake. Because they do not know the one who sent me. Friends, please don't in any way mistake my message tonight about being apart from this world and not interacting with people who might have that hatred for God. They need to know His love. They need to know His love. And I promise you, if they experience His love, they will be the most phenomenal disciple and they will lead twice as many people to Jesus as you will. Because it'll be fresh on their minds the hurts, the unworthiness that they surrendered to God and the new life they're walking in. James four five. Or do you think that Scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the Spirit which He has made to dwell in us? The New Living Translation words this passage so wonderfully, so I just want to and much more clearly, so I just want to read that in the New Living. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. He placed the spirit within us. To be faithful to Him, to be in relationship with Him, to be in love with Him, to enjoy the pleasures that He has. Guys, I, I live a very pleasurable life. I, as knowing I mean, this church is all about relationship, and we live pleasurable lives. I had a very pleasurable time Tuesday night going to a ball game, sitting out there with Don and Elaine and their family, Eating chocolate dipped bacon with my brother Don, that was that was pleasurable. I'm not saying don't enjoy pleasure. I'm just saying pleasure that keeps us from God is sin, and we need to know that. God is passionate; the spirit He has placed within us should be faithful to Him. You guys, the cure for evil desires is humility. A humbleness before god that 's where it comes into play that we desire His will above our own through humility it 's a reoccurring theme throughout James humility, Lord, I want your will above mine, and because of that i 'm willing to press in and find out what your will is, so that when I pray, I pray in accordance to your will humility that 's all that is guys it 's the opposite of pride. Pride will tell you all day long how much you deserve it, how much you've earned it and worked for it and what you deserve, and I'm not going to re preach last week's message, but the wages of sin are death. But the free gift of salvation in Christ Jesus, that is life. Jesus said that a life without him, without God, or the things of God, a life without him is worthless, regardless of its appearance. Mark eight, thirty-six and thirty-seven and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and you gain that ski boat but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Romans 12.2 says this, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Paul provides a a strategy in Romans 12 to combat the influence of the world and that's the renewing or the reprogramming the renewing of our minds through Christ Jesus to gain victory over the devil. We submit to God and we resist Satan. Satan. To gain victory over the world. We willingly let God transform our mind. Renew our minds. Renew our thinking. We let him change the way we think. Through a yielded life submitted to him. And the desires that his will be done above our own. Amen.